This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hockey fans, and welcome back to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, RotoWire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner, as always, on these pods is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJSCHOLZ24. That's AJ Scholes24. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the 12th week of the NHL season. The Christmas break is upon us, and as always, our aim is to identify the most added and dropped players, as well as the new roster opportunities and storylines around each team. We have to hit on a sad note off the top, though, to give my tribute to Johnny Bauer, arguably the most beloved Maple Leaf player of all time, who passed away yesterday at the age of 93. This four-time Cup winner and Hall of Famer left me with the treasured memory of having him write the foreword to the first book I co-authored about the Toronto Maple Leafs called Diary of the Dynasty that was to cover their era from 1957 to 1967 with those four cup wins. I was fortunate to spend a lot of time in his company, AJ, at a good number of media events. If hockey fans had one grandfather in Toronto sports history, Johnny Bauer was that man. He will never be replaced in Toronto lore and the heart of Maple Leaf fans everywhere. There's going to be a big celebration of his life in the next couple couple of days and I hope to be a part of it Uh, but for now I want to accord him the respect that he's due rest in peace Mr. Johnny Bauer also known as the China Wall well we've come through the Christmas break as I said and that's a good point to gauge the way the season is playing out with each of the 31 teams as part of our analysis of what's new with each team this week I want to give each team a letter grade to their overall performance to date, and AJ, I welcome you to do the same. But before we go on, I'm sure you enjoyed a memorable Christmas, AJ. How are you doing? Yeah, no complaints here, Paul. Got to spend time uh, with family and friends over Christmas. Enjoy a little time off of work, as I'm sure all of our uh, listeners uh, understand that uh, that particular joy over the holidays uh, doesn't get much better than that. Uh, before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer your questions. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman at Statsman 22. All right, partner, let's get through these 31 teams and pick out a storyline or two where we'll highlight a number of circumstances that have evolved just as we said they would among 
other stories in the NHL. First off, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, look at the injury ward. It's empty now. Their record in the last 10 games shows that what they're capable of with a slightly healthier roster. They're 5-2-3 and three over that stre- stretch. They expect a further boost with the imminent return of Kessler and Perry immediately after the break uh, for the next games. And uh, on top of that, Andre, Andre Case, his grip on a top-six role will end at this time. He's had a nice run there but his recent scoring tear will ensure that he gets a prominent uh, minutes on, in a third-line role and possibly some continued playoff time. I have to think that the Ducks are a little disappointed, though, that Nick Ritchie didn't do much better with the opportunities to grab a top-six role in the past few weeks. He's already dropped down to that third-line role, and I would say he'll have to rebound in a big way from a more limited uh, opportunity before he has any relevance in fantasy leagues the rest of the year, and that's a bit of a downer for me because I expected big things from him this year. I give this team a B-minus year-to-date. Largely, though, it's on the basis of the fact that they haven't had field a healthier lineup, and uh, they could easily get to an A before the season's end, AJ. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Paul. I, th- I think I would go uh, just slightly higher, just a, a, a regular B. I won't throw the minus on there. And that's mostly to your point. They've done uh, what they can with uh, with injuries uh, abounding, really. And just uh, now that they're healthy, I mean, they're in a wild card spot right now uh, if the season ended. So that's pretty admirable with the number of injuries. If this is a healthy team, uh, they could certainly contend for for the Pacific Division. So we'll see what it has, uh, what comes as far as Kessler and Perry still technically on the DL. They are without Patrick Eves as well. Uh, no clear indication of when they might get him back. Uh, but a healthy Ducks team is certainly not one that you want to face on a night-to-night basis. But the Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes, on the other hand, I think teams would line up to play these guys right now. AJ, they got eight wins in 38 games in the first half of the season. Max Domi's goal-scoring struggles are symptomatic of a team-wide issue. He has only three tallies, and one of those, I believe, was an empty netter, at least. And the team ranks second last despite a number of recent top draft picks on the roster. The Coyotes received both Ranta and Derek Steppen in a deal from the Rangers for a pair of young prospects, neither of whom is in the NHL yet. It may be early to rule on Ranta's value, but at $6.5 million over each of the next several years, they are overpaying big time on Steppen, in my opinion. And that kind of signing can stifle a rebuild effort, particularly for a non-cap spending team. I give this team a resounding F, AJ. Oh, I can't disagree with you there, Paul. And it you know, there's so many players that the blame can be placed on. You've got Oliver Ekman Larson, one assist in his last 11 games, no goals, minus seven over that stretch. And, you know, his shots on goal are decent, 26 over uh, over that 11-game drought. So at least that's the one bright side. And you talked about anti-Ranta. Now, obviously, injuries have really hurt him. Uh, but so far, it's not working out to the point where Scott Wedgwood is at least going to be competing Uh, For time here, they had to bring him in, as I said, due to injury. But now the guy that came in as your presumed number one uh, into the future has a legit challenge from a guy like Wedgwood. So, yeah, there's no way to rank this team other than an F. They're two big uh, uh, buys that you highlighted in Ranton and Stepan haven't panned out. Uh, So it's clearly not working in Arizona. In Boston, this team continues to surge. They're 7-2-1 in their last 10, and on a four-game win streak going into the break, the top line of Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, 
has to be ranked as one of the most prolific around the league, uh, and they're gone fire of late. The superfast Marshawn, for instance, 17 points in his last 12 games. With Krejci on the shelf, that kind of puts a damper on the second line, but you got to look at the fact that he produced 14 points in 18 games when he was healthy, so they can't wait to get him back. But right now, the second-line center role falls into the lap of Riley Nash, and the Bees are opting for him to fill that role, uh, despite the fact that he's only uh, played... Uh, he only contributed four assists in his last 10 starts while averaging about, averaging about 15 minutes a game. So he really has to step it up. If uh, Krejci stays out much longer and Nash doesn't perform, you can bet that they're going to move move the roster around and get uh, Spooner or Corrali a shot to get in there soon. But in the meantime, I have to give this team a solid ranking of a B-plus considering that they've had some injury issues, but they really have performed better than I expected at the outset of the season. Well, I'm going to go B minus and take a little different approach. Um, I actually would have expected better out of them when you look at the goaltending they've been getting. Uh, between the two uh, netminders that they've used, primarily Q Dobin and Rask, uh, they're fifth uh, best in the league in goals allowed per game at 2.59. But the goals for is just 2.91. And when you have guys like, you know, like Marshawn Bergeron and Pasternak, who you all highlighted, um, they they have to be performing better offensively and can't be so reliant in my opinion on the the back end now their power play has been decent at 20.5 so that kind of boosts them a little bit as well but i think for me ultimately uh, i think they're too reliant right now on the goaltending and that's why i'm going to go b minus for this club i would like to see if they're going to get a deep playoff run here i would like to see a little more offensive production well, we get to the Buffalo Sabres, AJ, and just as I described the step-on contract in Arizona, the same thought applies to Ryan O'Reilly's deal here with an annual stipend of $7.5 million hitting the cap for this year and the next five years. This guy has never topped 64 points. That's a lot of money for a guy who has not reached the uh, uh, point-per-game level. That was one of the early signings in a rebuild that was a fast-track, expected to be a fast-track to a Sabres turnaround. Look at the record, folks. A more bare-bones rebuild is needed to get this thing right. They've got nine wins and 20 losses and seven overtime losses to their record. Sam Reinhart, another indication of how things have gone off the rails. He's a former second overall pick in 2014, who I panned a few weeks ago. And he'll be an RFA at the season's end with a paltry 11 points in 36 game played. I think if, I wonder if the Buffalo Sabres will even bother to resign this guy. That's how down they must be on him uh, uh, unless they want to try and salvage something by giving them at least a chance to come back and, and really try and get a, a restart here. Another guy to consider as a former first-round pick, Zemgis Gergensens, might be in the same uh, boat here with only five points in 31 games played. He's getting a look on the top line right now, and he better make good or he's going to be out the door soon too. You can't have this many flops among top draft picks and, and big signings to do anything but get a D-minus here, in my opinion, A.J., well, I'm going to go straight F for the Buffalo Sabres. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they are so reliant uh, offensively on Evander Kane. He's got to be gone at the trade deadline. You have to imagine uh, they're they're certainly not, in my opinion, going to be able to re-sign him next year. Uh, he's just playing too well on too poor of a team to want to come back. Uh, he's got eight power play points. He's got two uh, shorthand or uh, I'm sorry, three shorthanded goals. Uh, and so he's contributing in all three phases of the game. And so when you're so tied into one guy who's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, uh, and I imagine they'll trade him, this team is probably going to get worse once they do. 
as part to your point about a rebuild here. Uh, and so I'm going to give them an F on the season, mostly because they haven't traded Evander Kane yet. In Calgary, with Dougie Hamilton and Mark Giordano being more productive and taking up the lion's share of the top power play and the top pairing minutes, TJ Brody has seen his numbers suffer for a second straight season. A telling stat is his shot on goal rate. It's half of that of his more prolific peers. That's a telltale sign that was not there prior to last season when Brody ranked right with them. Uh, Michael Ferlich is also performing well below his compensation. 4.5 million is the annual hit there and team expectations, but still he's hanging on to a second line right wing role. That's largely because uh, Jager's on the sideline and Curtis Lazarus still hasn't figured things out. He may be safe for now, but he has little fantasy value on that right flank. Ferlich does. I got to give this team a C plus though for just treading water so far. I'm going to go even further down on this one as well. I'm going to go with a D. Uh, and for me, as we've talked about it, it starts with the net mining here. Last 10 games for Mike Smith, three, four, and two, uh, simply just not good enough. Now I get not all the blame falls on him. And so part of that ranking comes with the Yager signing. You know, he, they're not paying him a lot. A million dollars uh, is, you know, small potatoes by this, uh, or, you know, this uh, level. Uh, it could be up to two based on performance stuff, but he's probably not going to meet a lot of that with the number of injuries. I get the desire to get butts in the seats by bringing Yager to the, to the club, but he's not playing enough for that even to pan out. And so I, I don't like the move to bring in Mike Smith. The Yager move hasn't really panned out. And so really what you're stuck with is the same team last year that didn't really do anything. Uh, and so, you know, the, the backup goalie is David Ritchie, uh, now, uh, because they're, they're, you know, their other options in in uh, in goal haven't panned out either, and so there's really just nothing that this club's done recently to change uh, the outlook from last season. And so for me, it's a D to that to that extent. When we look at Carolina, we li- we see a team that's four games above 500. AJ and their defense and their goaltending is, seems to be getting the job done here. But I've expressed my disappointment with Victor Rask's development as a scoring center. The Hurricanes coaching staff must share this view because he's floated between second and third line roles for much of the last six weeks. That That's put Jordan Stahl into the first line role, and that's a situ- situation for which he simply is miscast. He was a third liner back in the days in Pittsburgh. you got to think that was a lot to do with the fact that Crosby and Malkin were in front of him. But he's been slotted as a checking center for much of his career. Now a first liner doesn't make any sense. Jeff Skinner, in addition, he has a very unique profile for me, AJ. Here's a guy who can create instant offense all on his own, but he does too much work on his own, doesn't really fit into the team concept. And, and that, to me, is a telling thing because on the defensive side of the puck, he's left wanting. There's an issue here with square pegs trying to fit into round holes atop this roster on the forward side that's limiting this team. It could be better than it is, but even so, with four games above 500, I give them a C plus. I'm going to go D plus on this club, and mostly it's because again transactions that just haven't worked out. Uh, you know, Scott Darling was supposed to come in replace Cam Ward for some reason. Not really sure why they felt they needed to replace Cam Ward in the first place. He's one four and two in his last seven games with the three two four uh, goals against average. 
And so the, the change in nets uh, to resolve that problem isn't working out. And then you've got Cam Ward, who's been the solid soldier for them. Well, he's 4-0 in his last appearances and probably should get more looks going forward. Uh, I never really understood the, the dislike that the front office has there for Cam Ward. Uh, so hopefully they can cash in on him at some point here. He's certainly doing his part to raise his trade value. Uh, they're clearly not thinking of him as the answer. And to your point, Paul, you're absolutely right that Jordan Stahl is not a top line center, second line at best, but I agree more better fit as a, as a third line center. So for me, a D plus on this club. Chicago Blackhawks entered the break four games about 500. The biggest problem for the Hawks is that the rest of the teams in the, t- in the toughest division in hockey are showing improvement. And uh, so despite the fact that they're four games up on 500, they still rank only fifth in this group. That's pretty tough sledding. The Hawks are tinkering with their top line of late, replacing rookie Alex DeBrincat with veteran Patrick Sharp, who's only scored nine points over 34 games. That seems like a bit of a reach for me. I kind of like DeBrincat in that spot. With uh, 20 points in 31 games played, Nick Schmaltz remains a fixture on that second line of left wing, which has to maintain his unexpected profile in fantasy because he's getting regular time on a line with Kane and Inisibov. That's a pretty good spot for him to land. Dabrinkat, for his part, is now down in the third unit. I don't quite get that, and I have to give this team a C-plus because I was expecting a little bit more from them. Uh, you'll get no argument on the rating here from me, Paul. Uh, same same boat as you, expecting more. You've got Artem Anisimov, uh, one goal in his last 10 games. That's certainly not going to be enough uh, for a guy that's you know expected to be a 20 goal scorer every season. Now he is still uh, on pace for that. In fact, he's on pace for his highest of the season if he can get out of this slump. Uh, but, you know, you have guys like Anisimov that are paired with Kane, basically that are supposed to pull up whoever the third guy is that they put with him. I, I agree. I don't like Nick Schmaltz there. You know, if you really want Patrick Sharp on the top line, then to bring cat on the second, I think makes more sense. Uh, I do think so far they've gotten the better end of the, the sod trade, uh, bringing him back. Sod has been solid for them. 11 goals, six assists on the year. And so, uh, I think, Overall, C-plus uh, is a good fit, but I do think they're trending in the right direction. Could quickly be a B, B-plus uh, in the coming weeks. Colorado's hanging on to a record that's above 500, but just barely. They're still 5-4-1 uh, and one in their last 10 games, so treading water is what they've been doing better than most people expected. Sven Andrigetto is looking good in a second-line role here with a solid shots-on-goal rate that that's expected from a guy who's predominantly cast as a one-way player so they're getting as much offense as they can out of this guy and as expected we reported also that jt comfer was recently moved into a second line role and that continues after he scored two goals in three games last week with these moves up on the roster guys like tyson yost and alex kerfoot who were on second line roles for an expanded period they now see themselves in fourth line roles so you got to adjust your thinking on those two guys because of this latest change holes in their defensive structure have also led to a goals against that is steadily rising with six games of three plus goals against in their last 11 outings and that's a bit of a bad portent for the future so i'm going to give these guys the the treading water grade of a c right now i'm going to go a little higher on them with a b minus and mostly because i think it's their the fact that they're exceeding expectations because they were expected to be one of the worst teams uh in the league they obviously put some additional pieces towards the future in uh, trading away Duchesne, but they're only, you know, despite that, you, you have to argue they trade away one of their best players, even though Duchesne hasn't really panned out so far in Ottawa. 
Uh, he was still one of their best players, but despite that, they're only three points back from a wild card spot. And that's well above, I think where everybody had him. I think, uh, myself included probably would have had them pegged for right around where Arizona's at with 21 points so far. Uh, so for me, it's a B minus They're They're above expectations. They're in contention mode. Obviously the deficiencies that you highlighted are there. They need, you know, to, to make some tweaks to what they're doing, but I do think, uh, they're in a lot better spot than they could have been. Well, and Columbus, we expected them to be in a tough spot in this competitive division. They sure are, but they're nine games above 500 and Pierre-Luc Dubois has risen to first line prominence of late with a current streak of 12 points in his last 14 games. That's not bad for a teenager, is it? For the best streak it's so far in his rookie season. That's great news for a Columbus team that has a lot of good pieces, but no clear number one center on defining their roster. They moved a few people in and out of that role, giving Dubois a a shot there right now. With a trio of top six uh, forwards, Dubinsky, Wenberg, and Anderson currently sidelined by injury, Nick Foligno is back at center, and Matt Calvert on the right wing on that side. These guys have struggled in these roles, so expect them to move around when the others return from the infirmary. They're really placeholders right now. They'll probably move down when the others get back in the lineup. But that that record tells me this is still a pretty good team, and I give them a B-plus rating, AJ. Yeah, I'll go with an A-minus. Uh, give a little bit higher just again because I think they exceed expectations not that we anybody really thought Columbus was going to be bad but this metropolitan division is just so competitive uh, that it was hard to peg them to be uh, top three at this point now obviously the devils have far exceeded expectations and we'll talk about them more uh, which has caused all the more metropolitan uh the metropolitan division to be that much more jumbled Uh, to your point, Paul, not only do they not have a first line center, I'm not sure they even have a second line center on this club. It's really become a who's who with Wenberg out, Uh, you know, Mott, I think could honestly compete with Dubois Dubois for a first line role. Sedlak, probably not. Um, But it's just so shuffled around. Maybe they bring in, you know, can Jenner, or Calvert uh, maybe slot into a center role to kind of stabilize that. Uh, just some options for them to think uh, of long term. So, uh, long term outlook, I have concerns to your point about that center position. Maybe that's somewhere that they could uh, bolster at the trade deadline. And I think make them that much more of a playoff team. In Dallas, uh, they're six games over 500. In an effort to strike a more balanced offense, the Stars have broken up their dynamic duo of Sagan and Ben, using them as centers on the top two lines. That's a bit of a drastic move, in my opinion. Remy Ellie is primed to capitalize as the top line's new left winger. He has points in three of his last six games, but has a chance to do much more with the prospect of playing alongside Jamie Benn and Alex Radiloff, who are clearly two of the top three scoring forwards here. Matthias Janmark may be the most likely to catch fire of the rest of the pack because his shots on goal rate has been consistently high over the last 10 games. He's going to get a look in a top six role with the shuffling that's gone on here. I give this team a B with a chance to go either way in the second half because this team blows hot and cold like very few others in the NHL. Absolutely agree with that assessment, Paul. And I think part of their problem is outside of Radulov, they don't have a really solid uh, right wing option. Now they have Jason Spezza, but he's goalless in seven straight. They've got uh, Devin Shore currently in that role, but he's goalless even longer in 10 straight with only two assists over that stretch. So uh, I get the need to spread that depth out because they lack uh, some of that, that uh, those options on the wing. Now, Martin Hansel was supposed to help 
maybe shore up that center position that hasn't really panned out. He's got just six points in 25 games this year. Uh, and so this is another club to your point could go either way. I think could use some reinforcements heading into the trade deadline. Ben Bishop, I think is the key though, as far as consistency. And he is, as you said, Paul, hot and cold. He's currently two games, uh, two wins in a row could carry that a little further, but he's also prone to some losing streaks as well. So up and down both a possibility in Detroit. This team was up, but it's headed down. The team's record has tumbled below 500 as many thought it would some time ago. So now I look at a bloated roster that is the second most expensive in the league when it comes to total salary expenditure and can clearly see that some rough times lie ahead for this squad we've covered what needs to be sorted out in gold previously but there is an opportunity to move mike green and his expiring seven million dollar cap hit that should bring back a good asset or two at the trade deadline and give some cap flexibility too i'm also glad to see that gustav nyquist is cast in a first line role again and he's produced four goals in his last eight games finally seeing a pay payoff for a shots on goal rate that's approaching three per game I give this team a C minus. It's probably where, or at best, where it was expected to be uh, at the preseason rankings here. C minus the rating here for the, the rankings for me. I'm going to give them a D. And I, I mean, we didn't expect a whole lot out of them, but the goaltending situation, as we've highlighted, has honestly gotten worse. Now, uh, to your point about possibly moving green, they are going to benefit. Uh, Trevor Daly has finally found a bit of a scoring touch with two goals and two assists in his last six games. Whether he can turn that around and be a twenty, you know, a twenty-point player as he has been in the past remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not so sure that he's cast in the right role there, and so I think that's a lot of the problem that they're running into now. Getting rid of Green would even weaken that blue line, but it's not like this team's going to compete for much anyway. So try and get some more pieces in. Uh, they've got some interesting prospects uh, in the works, some guys that maybe they could give a look uh, down the road. And so maybe that's the, that's the goal is to bring in some more pieces and then give some of these younger guys uh, pining their trade in, in Grand Rapids a look. Well, in Edmonton, they finally clawed their way back to the 500 mark. I guess that's the first uh uh, touchstone for this team that has a long way to go before it's ranked as among the contenders as we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. They've got a current four-game winning streak intact, seven of three in their last ten. I was a bit surprised to see Milan Lucic back on the top line with McDavid, but he's played his best hockey since signing with the Oilers with ten points over the last ten games. I, I don't think Lucic could keep up with McDavid, but he's doing a fine job of late. On the blue line, Sakara was welcomed back on the defense as a scoring option, but they lost Oscar Kleffbaum, who's now sidelined. We're not sure how long he's going to be out, AJ, at least at my end. Uh, they'll be stronger when both these offensive threats can suit up in the same game. And Cam Talbot right now has got his game in order. Uh, best streak of the season for him, a seven-game win streak with a goals against average right at two goals against per game. I give this team a C plus, but uh, they look primed to go a little bit higher than that. I'll give him a B minus, and that's only going to depend on when Connor McDavid can be back and ready to go. Now, the x-rays on, on the leg um, were negative, so that's certainly uh, a good indicator that he should be ready soon. Hopefully, the holiday break gave him some time to rest. But uh, if, for some reason, this team is without McDavid uh, for any sort of stretch of time, it's the wheels are going to come off really quick, uh, in my opinion. And so it, I'll give him the B minus. 
only as long as McDavid's healthy. If he's not healthy, I would drop him all the way to a C minus because the rest of this team is not going to carry them forward. In Florida, this team's one game under 500. Vinny Trocek's caught fire of late with 12 points in his last 11 games to anchor a second scoring line, which we had trouble defining at the beginning of the season. Uh, so uh, they filled a season lo- season long void here with Trocek's uh, emergence. In fact, this guy's almost a point a game player on the season with 35 points in 36 games, even though his scoring pace is off his first two seasons. We can't say the same about Aaron Eckblad, though he's rebounded with a more solid effort in his own end, and that's resulted in a plus-one rating, a marked improvement from last year when he was one of the worst minuses in the league. His shots-on-goal rate is high enough that I wonder why he's not produced many more than his 12 points to date. It's right in line with some of his better years earlier in his career. Another note, Dennis Malgin has moved up to the second-line right-wing role and has chipped in six points in his last nine games. With better secondary scoring, the Cats will surprise some teams, particularly as they've cut down their goals against, allowing only 15 goals in their last seven starts, all credited to James Reimer. Roberto Longo will be back soon, and that should bolster the defensive side of the puck a little bit more. But right now, the best grade I can give these guys is a C. Yeah, I'm going to go slightly lower, C-. Only because I think uh, some pieces for them haven't panned out quite as they expected. Redeem Verbrata has just 12 points in 30 games. Now he's definitely uh, getting up there a little bit at 36 years of age. But this was a guy that put together 55 points on a pretty bad Arizona team last year. So the fact that he only has 12 through 30 uh, shows he may have uh, lost a bit of a step. And that's four points in his last 20 games. Uh, So he is really slowed down now on the flip side. I think Keith Yandel has actually looked pretty decent this year. Uh, 21 points through the first 36 that puts him on pace for, you know, pushing that 50 point mark. He's reached 40 in the last three seasons. uh, And so if he can get up all the way up to 50, it'd be another solid campaign for him. And I think he is really helping uh, to kind of shore up that blue line where Aaron Ekblad isn't exactly producing uh, to your point, Paul. So I think having Keith Yandel as his partner, the two of them seem to be pairing up well. Uh, uh, as you said, Roberto Luongo returning, I think is going to be the key. I don't think James Reimer is going to carry them throughout the rest of the season if they want to make a postseason run. Well, the Los Angeles Kings have written a pretty good L.A. story. They're six games above 500 at home, five games above 500 on the road, 6-3-1 in their last 10. How good has uh, Kopitar been for them? He's scoring at an unprecedented clip of better than a point per game and has helped Dustin Brown with his career best numbers as well. It's a wonder that Iafalo has failed to mesh in terms of offensive production while logging a lot of ice time with these two guys. I don't think he's long for that first time role, AJ, so people that are hanging on to him might want to keep an eye on the rosters there. Alec Martinez has anchored a second deep pairing and has produced seven points in his last 13 games. That gives the Kings a chance to put Muzzin and Doughty together, and when they're aligned, they're one of the top pairings in the NHL. I give this team a solid B+. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that rating, Paul. I, I do have concerns about how, uh, you know, uh, reliant they are on Kopitar. He's 11 points ahead of Dustin Brown, the next closest uh, in team scoring. So that's certainly a concern for me uh, long term. But for now, I think it's working for them well. Uh, you know, the other slight concern I have is uh, Jonathan Quick hasn't been quite as dominant as he normally is in his last five games. Just two wins, three losses a 2.42 goals against average. So that's not terrible. Uh, the save percentage over that 0.922. So certainly you could put some of that on the, on the defense, but, 
you know, he did have uh, five goals allowed against the Devils and then th- followed that up with three goals allowed against the Rangers uh, during this five game stretch. So a couple bad outings there. You hope he can get uh, back on track and kind of stay in that 40 win, uh, you know, player that he was in 15, 16. Well, you got to say the same thing about Minnesota, I guess, to a certain extent. When you look at a goaltending situation, Devin Dubnik been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Alex Stalock performed heroically, but he's he's no uh, number one goalie in my mind. Hopes uh, were recently raised for the the Wild as uh, Zach Parise made a return to practice ice recently. He's still a bit away from live action, and that development means they're still searching for that right right winger on the first line. Chris Stewart looks like he's going to get another shot there. That he's helped his cause by getting plenty of shots on goal with limited ice time over the past two weeks, but he needs to find the net with some regularity. Otherwise, he's not going to get that top six role for very long. For the fifth straight season, though, they can point to Matt Dumba's maturation and growth. He's improved his scoring rate and is now poised to hit the 40-point plateau. That's the pace that he's on after notching five points in his last five games. He's also on the verge of an elite level of play overall. I give this team a B. I'm going to give him a C and and I point to Jason Zucker as, as part of the problems that I'm seeing here. You know, he's pointless in seven straight games. This is supposed to be one of your top, top players. And I think when you can't get production on the left wing, the fact that you have a revolving door on right wing with Eric Stahl is just going to exasperate the problems even further. I think the other issue is their third and fourth line centers are Daniel Winnick and Matt Collin. Now these are grizzled vets that can really offer you uh, some locker, you know, stabilization in the locker room. They're great uh, kind of energy checking line guys, you know, but they're not goal scorers. I mean, Daniel Winnick is by no means going to, you know, put up uh, a ton of numbers. In fact, his best season was last year with Washington. (laughs) He had 12 goals. And so there's no, there's no scoring depth here. The right wing, as I said, is any one of the four guys listed there could at some point play top line minutes on the right wing. Uh, And so I just think there's there's not a lot going on. And so for me, it's a lower rating and I expect a drop off at some point here. With Montreal, this team is right at the 500 level. The biggest development here is the decision to shut down Shea Weber, who has been plagued by a nagging foot injury since the early days of the season. That's got to have a negative impact on both ends of the ice, AJ. Jeff Petrie is, Petrie is going to get the top minutes and power play time in his absence. That's quite a drop-off, but still, it might be worthwhile to pick up uh, Pe- Petri in uh, season long. On offense, Philip Deneau has used a nine-point in 11-game streak to lock up the second-line center role between Galchenyuk and Shaw. That's a pretty good spot for him. And uh, trade rumors are swirling around Pacioretty, who has but one goal in his last 18 games. It's never a good sign when your captain's involved in trade talks, and that's reflected by my C-minus grade for the Habitant. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Uh, and, you know, you've got a couple guys that are starting to heat up a little bit. You know, Placanic has uh, three points in his last five games, but on the season, just four goals in 36 outings. You know, this is a guy that you know, there are a few seasons where he didn't quite reach the mark, but for the most part in his career has been a 20 goal scorer. And at this rate, I mean, he might struggle to even reach 10. Uh, you know, now I said he's been a little hotter of late, so maybe that's a sign of a turnaround. And then 
you know, getting Arturi Lekkanen back, I think will help this team. Uh, you know, he's gotten us an assist in his two games back. They'll probably ease him in, but I would hope at least for their sake that he can start firing on all cylinders now that he's healthy and should provide a boost that hopefully, uh, could stymie some of those trade rumors and, and they could keep Pacioretty for a postseason run. The Nashville Predators sit at a record 12 games, about 500. They're 6-2-2 two, and two in their last three games. Uh, last three games have been uh, not on the win column. So this team has been mostly on the upside, but they entered in a bit of a dip uh, into the Christmas break. Good news around the corner, though. Ryan Ellis is ready to make his season debut after joining practice with full contact six days ago. So he's, ra- he's ranked among the top goal-scoring defensemen over the past two years and a big minute eater, so it's a heck of an addition for them. He will rate as a must-start option in all fantasy for, uh, formats before too long. This might be a good time to sell high on a guy like Matthias Ekholm, who I've been high on all season, but possibly even uh, Roman Yossi or P.K. Subban because there's just too much quality there on the blue line and not enough minutes to go around. They have, uh, they have got another elite option to share the high-leverage, high-reward minutes here, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's going to be harder to score against Pecorine with all these guys in place, and that only has to make his value, which is already high, even higher. Don't lose faith in him, despite his two most recent disappointing outings before that break. This guy's in a great situation. So is this team. I give them an A uh, in terms of their great year-to-date. No argument here for me. Yeah, I, I can see where some people might be concerned about the nine goals that uh, Rene gave up in his last two outings. Now, granted, five of those were against uh, the Winnipeg Jets in, in a 35-shot uh, performance. That, you know, a lot of clubs are giving up five goals to the Winnipeg Jets this season. That's not unheard of. Uh, the the four goals to Carolina on just six, six shots, that's a little more concerning. Uh, but I, I don't have any long-term concerns there. I think they'll be just fine uh, moving forward. And to your point on the blue line, I actually wouldn't sell on Yossi or Subban right now. Uh, I think they can continue to produce despite all the healthy guys going around the extra minutes. And I think, honestly, it'll probably maybe help in the sense that these guys will be a little more rested in the shifts that they do get. Uh, And so maybe a a slight dip in minutes is worth some more uh, offensive production, a little more jump, because you look at that third that third pairing. Now, certainly they're Matt Irwin and Yannick Weber are are fine players, uh, but that's not a pairing that I see the coaching staff relying on too heavily. And so you get Ryan Ellis in there, spread the love around a little bit more. And I think they're all good. So for me, I'm not quite ready to sell on Yossi and Subban, despite to your point, you would get some pretty high returns on that. Uh, but I think I hold on to those guys. Well, and look at the next story. New Jersey Devils sitting 12 games above 500. They're 6-3-1 and one in their last uh, 10 games with a four-game win streak heading into the break. This club has written one of the more improbable chapters of this season. So many components have led to their success, from the stellar goaltending of Corey Schneider to the number of young contributors on offense. Look at the names Heischer, Hall, Bratt, and Gibbons, and company. We've talked about all these guys, and they've helped shed the image of boring defensive hockey as a part of the, and it's a, clearly a part of the past uh, of the, the Devils' history here. The only blemish to the outlook is the injury, the injury wire of late with Brian Boyle and Kyle Palmieri, two veterans on the sidelines right now. They've been a big part of helping lead this young group. I give this team an A for what they've done so far. I'll go slightly lower with an A-, minus, uh, and a lot of that, I think, for me, has to do with the Drew Stafford signing. It looked like it might work out early in the season, 
you know, he started off really strong, uh, had, uh, you know, four points in his first four games, tailed off a little bit, but still was producing on a semi-regular basis. Well, now he's pointless in 16 straight games. He's gotten benched twice over that stretch, including their most recent outing. I think he's probably going to be on the outside looking in at this point, uh, you know, and could be for a little while, uh, especially with the emergence of Jasper Bratt. Uh, I like the the trade move for Sammy Vatanen. I think that really helps shore up uh, their blue line. And so I, I see good things ahead for this team, but there's just, as you said, one or two blemish that's going to have me drop them to an A minus. The Islanders got headed into the break six games above the 500 mark. Uh, they slipped a little bit in their last 10 with a 3-5-2 and two record. Matthew Barzell gives the Islanders a second power, uh, power play or point per game center behind Tavares, uh, an unprecedented luxury that these guys have never had on the island as long as Tavares has been there. They finally found their man, it looks like. Uh, defensively, Yarrow Halak has led the club into the break in goal on the heels of a pair of 40-save efforts. Uh, one win and one loss, though. Uh, that's typical of a team that gives up a lot of shots, gives up a lot of goals, and scores a lot of goals. That speaks to some defensive concerns, though, here. And we know that they have capable of scorers like Ladd, Lee, Bailey, and Eberle. We've covered these guys and know they've got some secondary scoring. But this team's not going to go anywhere if they can't get their defensive game in order. Right now, you take the over in the Islander games when you see them on the schedule. I give them a record of a B-plus just because they're managing to still stay well above the 500 mark at this stage. I'm going to go B minus, and I think it's because uh, those defensive concerns that you highlighted, it's going to get worse uh, before it gets better, in my opinion. You've got Calvin DeHaan uh, on IR. He's not expected back until the new year, so they have a couple games here. They're going to have to figure out how to play without him, and it's going to be with guys like Thomas Hickey and Ryan Pouliak uh, who have been periodic healthy scratches throughout the season. I mean, Hickey has only played in 23 games, uh, you know, because of being bounced from the lineup and him and Seidenberg are constantly being flipped back and forth. Uh, and so these problems are only going to get worse with a guy like Tahan out of there. I would expect these goalies are going to have to Halak and Grice are going to have to anticipate seeing 40 shots on a regular basis moving forward, whether they can hold up remains to be seen. I'm not sold on it. Uh, I think at some point here, it's just going to be too much for him. And so I'm going B minus uh, their offense can overcome some of those deficiencies, but not all of them. In New York, with the Rangers, they're also six games above 500. Michael Grabner continues to confuse me. He scores goals with 17, only setting up three, though. So that trend is keeping him in a third-line role because he's just not part of a team-wide concept here. If there's one guy who confuses more, more than him, though, it's got to be Rick Nash, the power forward has only 17 points in 36 games. He's 33, and in the final year of an annual $7.8 million cap hit, a big pay cut is in his future, no matter what he does the rest of the way, I have to believe. In goal, Henrik Lundqvist has settled into a steady stretch that gives the Blue Shirts a chance to win and string some successful outings together over the last 10 games where they got their game in order a little bit. The Rangers have, been, have to be concerned, though, that big money over a longer term is ticketed to a pair of defenders, Stahl and Shattenkirk, and they're not returning value. I give this team a B, and it could go lower because I think this team's going to have a struggle keeping up with the rest of the pack in this division the rest of the way. I will go lower, Paul. I'll go C+. And to your point, Kevin Shattenkirk, goalless in 20 straight games, seven assists over that stretch, and a zero in the plus-minus category. Now, shots on goal are 43. 
that's decent. But for a guy that's averaging uh, two and a half minutes on the power play over that stretch, you would expect those shots on goal to be significantly higher. I mean, that's just over two per game. You'd like to see him around three or four. Uh, And, you know, I think he really just has not panned out as well as they expected. He looks more like Washington, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk than St. Louis blues, Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, and so it's, it's just not in my opinion working. And then Mika Zabinajad's another player that's kind of struggling in his three games back from that concussion is held uh, pointless minus one getting opportunities on the power play. So they haven't, they've thrown him right back in. Uh, and so hopefully he can get out of this slump at some point here uh, and get this team firing. So for me, it's a C plus, uh, and that's Henrik Lundqvist carrying them to a C plus. It'd be much worse without him in, in between the pipes. The Ottawa Senators head into the break on a 2-6-2 two, two, uh, record in the last 10 games. That's put them four games below 500 for the first half. When there are trade rumors swirling about their best player, Eric Carlson, that speaks to underachievement for a team that was a goal away from the cup final last season. That's a big fall from grace. Veterans Phaneuf, Craig Anderson, and Bobby Ryan are all nicked up with injuries that make matters worse. One of the league's oldest core groups is not up to being a contender, in my opinion. It's time to bail on this group, in fact. A team in disarray makes lots of changes. Some of them are confusing, like putting Mike Hoffman on the third line at left wing. That's a head-scratcher for me. While Nate Thompson, normally a bottom-six guy, gets a second-line role, this team is uh, in disarray and confused, and a D-plus record uh, rating uh, reflects that for me. Yeah, I'll go with an F on on this club. And to your point, Alex Burrows on the top line, that's another head scratcher. He's goalless in 19 games with just one assist to show for it over that stretch. Why that guy's getting top line minutes, I don't really know. Matt Duchesne clearly has not panned out for them. Uh, you know, since coming over, uh, his production has been really, really minimal. Five points in 20 games with Ottawa. That's half as many points as he had in fewer games with Colorado. Uh, so the move north hasn't worked for him. And to your point, you know, Bobby Ryan, Zach Smith on the IR. You've got guys like Chris Weidman, Mark Burrowicki on IR as well. That's going to, you know, stretch this defense even further. You've got Thomas Shabbat, Frederick Clayson, who are getting minutes. Guys that normally wouldn't if they're fully healthy. Now, it sounds like Anderson was an illness. He should hopefully be ready. Fanoff was uh, away from the team for the birth of his child, so he should be back at some point here. So that'll help at least a little bit. Uh, and you have to wonder if those trade rumors about Carlson are being fueled solely because of what he's saying about wanting that big payday. Maybe Ottawa doesn't think they'll be able to afford him. Yeah, I think there's a big uh, question mark around him for sure. The rest of the season is going to plague this franchise. Philadelphia, a hot last 10-game segment, has this team above 500. I don't think I expected that from them. Uh, Jakub Voracek continues to pace this attack with 14 points in his last 10 starts. He's now anchoring a third line as they try to get struggling sophomore Travis Konechny, who's only got one point in his last 10 games going while playing with a good playmaker in Philpola and a puck retriever like Weiss on a second line. Shane Gossespear has vaulted to the top tier of scoring defensemen once again with eight points in his last 11 games. It's interesting to me to me to note in goal that Brian Elliott's goals against and save percentage are slightly higher than last season with Calgary AJ when we thought that he struggled more. He's got his it looks like he's got his game in order and that's reflected well on this team i give them an overall c plus rating 
Yeah, I'll go a little bit higher for them. I'll go with a, a B rating. Uh, I, I do have some concerns about their last two games. They kind of limped into a holiday break. Elliott gave up two goals against Buffalo and one goal against uh, Columbus heading into the Christmas break. And those were both losses despite solid uh, 30 plus save performances by him there. I also have concerns about the fact that they played him in uh, 11 straight games. And that was following one uh, day off following a nine game stretch. And so I, I have serious concerns about, you know, the long-term outlook for them because of how much they're using Elliot. Now I know a lot of that was because Michael Newverth, who's their normal backup was out. He's healthy now. So hopefully that'll give them some chance to rest Elliot. As I said, those two games without any offense, but it could just be a little bit of fatigue. I think the holiday break will be good for them. Uh, both for Elliott and for the offense. Uh, this is a team definitely looking up in, in a tough metropolitan division. Yeah, we got to the Pittsburgh Penguins. There are two games above 500. The vaunted Pens offense has been outscored by 14 goals on the year-to-date ledger. Of course, that's skewed by a couple of lopsided losses early in the season. Matt Murray has suddenly seen his goals against average swell to almost three per game, though, and that's not what you want out of your top goalie. doesn't matter where he's playing. Another important player, particularly as Justin Schultz is out with an injury, is Chris Letang, who has one point and a minus two over his last six outings. Oddly, his name has been leaked in some trade rumors in these parts, AJ, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. This club has some ground to make up and likely will need to shuffle the deck a little bit. I'm curious to see what they do at trade deadline and also more curious to wonder about what my co-host has to say about a two-time defending champion team that is underachieved to date. I give them a C rating to date. Well, I think a C rating is uh, generous, in my opinion. Uh, from what I've seen on the ice, I'm going to give them a D. It just isn't working. Uh, and and why it's not working is is a little unclear. Uh, they've got a lot of the same offensive pieces. Jake Gonsal struggled lately, uh, so they've kind of moved him around. Connor Sheary's always been a guy that they've moved around, so it's not surprising to see him fluctuate. I do hate the Phil Kessel on the third line with Sheehan and Sheary move. Uh, I, I get what they're trying to do, but it's not surprising to me that, uh, Kessel doesn't have any goals in his last five games, just two assists. He doesn't have set up guys in that role. Uh, I think you would have a mutiny on your hands. Honestly, if they traded Chris or Latang, him and Sidney Crosby are very close. Uh, and I think Crosby could justify, uh, them trading away flurry. I think it made sense in a lot of cases or not trading away, but letting flurry go. But to, to make an argument to your captain in the face of your franchise that getting rid of Chris Letang in any way makes your team better, uh, I think you'd have some serious problems on your hands. So I don't expect Chris Letang to go anywhere. Uh, the Schultz injury is obviously a concern. Bringing in Jamie Olesiak, I think, helps with that. Um, but I, I don't like Phil Kessel on the third line. And uh, to your point, underperforming is the key word here. Uh, as, so for me, it's a D rating. They've got to be better or the two-time cup champions aren't even going to make the playoffs at this stage. In San Jose, the old stars have keyed a nice run. This club is now eight games of a 500 entering the break, 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. I think I'll keep an eye on Yannick Hansen over here. He's going to line up with Thornton and Pavelski on that top unit after the break, it seems. Thomas Hurdle has enjoyed a nice recent surge as well in scoring seven points in his last eight games while centering a second scoring line. Kevin LeBanc has also been on a torrid run in that second unit with nine points in his last seven games. 
It also helps that this team has a goals against that's below 2.5 per game. So all things are pointing up. Uh, one big issue that's certainly a concern is the uncertainty around Logan Couture, who would normally be among the top two centers here. He's out with a concussion right now. Notwithstanding that fact, this club has earned an A- minus rating because of how well they've played so far this season. Yeah, I agree with that rating. I, I share some concerns about the recent performances. You know, you look at Martin Jones uh, in his last four games, had three games in a row where he gave up four goals uh, on a variety. You know, one of those was 40 shots. You can kind of give him a little leeway, but two of those were less than 30. Now he bounced back heading into the break with a shutout performance over the Kings. So hopefully he's back on track. Uh, Aaron Dell has started to perform uh, as expected after kind of a slow start to the season. He's got wins in his last five appearances with a 1.59 goals against average. So if Jones can start uh, playing a little bit better as he did in that last game, you've got Dell performing his backup duties. Well, I see uh, everything coming up roses for this team, especially once they can add Logan Contur back. As you said, when that uh, occurs is a little bit of a question mark. Concussions are so difficult to determine uh, when a player will be available. Over in St. Louis, we get to a team that I think is the top in the West for me, at least so far. They stumbled a bit recently, going 5-5 five and five in their last 10, but this, ca- this is caused by a rash of injuries that has led to some roster shuffling in their top six. Patrick Berglund has made the most of his chance on the top line with a pair of goals in his last two games, and it's worth monitoring while in this role. Tage Thompson, a rookie with seven games under his belt, has seen minutes rise to up to 15 per game while in a second-line role, too. He's got his first goal of the season last week as well. On the downside, Steen, Stashny, and Stabotka have combined for only three goals in the last 12 games. Despite all that, I think you've got to look at the overall record and say this team earns an A for me. Yeah, I'm going to go slightly lower with a B uh, B plus. Uh, I think one of the concerns I have is uh, blue line scoring, something that they had for a long time uh, with Kevin Shattenkirk here. You look at Petrangelo, who's supposed to be, you know, their kind of top guy there. He's goalless in his last 17 games, eight helpers over that stretch, a plus five rating. So I'm not I'm not saying that he's uh, performing poorly, just maybe not offering kind of that blue line production that they would hope for you know he's paired up with uh with joel edmondson who's also on a similar 17 game uh pointless streak or goalless streak rather uh just four assists for him over that stretch and so uh, i have some concerns about some blue line production but i think the offense has uh covered that up a little bit and jake allen has been really good between the pipes this year uh, overall, a little bit of a struggle of late, just one and four in his last five. But for the season, already at 18 wins and 31 outings, uh, he'll get back on track, I think, after the break here. And AJ, now with, with talk of Tampa Bay, we get to the best team in hockey for my money so far this season. Their only concern is that Ryan Callahan has been moved to the IR with a shoulder injury. So they'll be missing one of their acknowledged team leaders for a little bit. But Tyler Johnson, normally a center, has been moved to the right wing to pick up this corresponding slack on the second line. Yanni Gourd went quiet for a while, but has caught fire to anchor a third scoring unit. We haven't said that at all about any of the teams so far, have we? Uh, And that tells you how talented this team is. He's got nine points in his last ten games. That's a luxury for this club. On defense, Jake Dotson is a guy to watch because he's been paired with a surging Victor Hedman, and even he has three points in his last six games. This team gets the only A-plus that I'm awarding so far. I'll definitely agree with that. I mean, 
there's not too many uh, reasons to knock this team. You know, Kucherov continues to roll. He's already up over 51 points. He's on pace for, you know, easily over 100. Uh, you've got Nemesikov, who we've highlighted. He's 31 points in 35 games. Uh, and Stamkos obviously has been resurgent now that he seems to finally be healthy. He's got 45 points in 35 games. So you've got a number of guys that are already above uh, a point per game average and a couple of guys that are right there. Uh, there's really the goaltending's phenomenal for this team. Uh, and so there's really nothing to knock on this club. And so no reason not to give them that A plus rating. We get to the Maple Leafs. They're sitting eight games above 500. They've played more than half their schedule on the road so far this season. So that tells me that they're going to get a lot of home cooking and a chance to really improve on that record over the second half. Austin Matthews showed how much he means to this club, AJ, when he scored a goal and an assist in his first game back from an absence due to concussion last week when they visited the Rangers. He also inspired Willie Nylander to his best game in a few weeks, and that's also a great sign. That means that all the young guns are firing again and could spark a nice run coming out of the break when they hit the road against some soft opponents uh, beginning this week. Coach Babcock, though, is sticking to his guns with roster stability in the face of a lack of production from one Leo Komarov who logs big minutes despite only eight points in 37 games. That confuses me when a guy like Connor Brown is sitting on the fourth line despite getting nine goals and 14 points in much more limited play. But really, I'm happy with the way the Leafs have played, and so should all their fans. This team gets an A- minus for me. Absolutely agree there, Paul. Uh, they've managed, as you said, they managed to get through the Austin Matthews injury without uh, falling too far behind. And they've looked really good, uh, you know, overall on the whole season. Uh, I think the only reason they're not potentially not going to win the Atlantic is because Tampa has been that good. I wouldn't be surprised to see them have the second highest point total uh, behind Tampa when the season wraps up. Uh, just because the Metropolitan Division at some point is going to start to really hammer uh, each other pretty good. It's a pretty significant turnaround for an Atlantic division that we thought uh, was, you know, uh, really down last season to have a couple really solid clubs here. Uh, and so I see everything coming up roses for them now that they've got their star healthy. In Vancouver, this team has struggled uh, to keep around the 500 level. Most recently, they're 2-7-1 and one in their last four games, going two below for the 500 mark. Through much of the first half, though, they hung in, but uh, they finally faltered a little bit. Clearly, injuries to frontliners Bo Horvat and Sven Berchi have hurt the offense of late and pressed others into bigger roles that they can handle. Last week, we talked about the Sedin scoring uh, has been uh, up a little tick, but they've surrendered more at the other end of the ice, both of those guys sporting minuses over the last two weeks. Sam Gagne, in addition, uh, in the face of all this, is one player who has risen to the challenge, though scoring four points in his last five games might be a player to watch as he gets a little bit more ice time than uh, he did before the injuries did occur. I give this team a C-, minus, but certainly it looks like things could really tumble off the edge of the cliff in the second half of the season. I absolutely agree. Uh, and and to your point, the, the injuries have been really the key in what has, uh, you know, uh, derailed this club. Uh, I think they, if they were healthy, I would expect them to still be, you know, firing, uh, on all cylinders. They looked like they were going to really outperform, uh, what we expected out of them. And so I, I just have serious concerns, uh, about their ability to get, to, you know, compete with, with clubs on a regular basis. Now, right now in the Pacific, they've got 35 points. They're certainly not out of it. Uh, but I just am not sure that they're going to hold up. I'm going to go D plus. 
uh, mostly because of the injuries uh, and what I expect to see uh, a downturn uh, uh, in the near future. Well, and now we get to a team that's 14 games above 500. I've never said that about an expansion franchise, I think, in my lifetime, AJ. So all <laughs> credit to the Golden Knights. They've already written an amazing first chapter, and it seems to be a new hero emerging every game. I watched the tilt, for instance, when Shea Theodore was that guy in a showdown with the Tampa Lightning as he tallied four of his season total 10 points to date, culminating in a last second. Well, there were two seconds left on the clock when he scored the game winner that night. Up front, Eric Halla saw a seven-game, ten-point stretch get snapped in his last start, and he's well on his way to career highs already. Ditto in terms of points for Marchesol and Riley Smith. It's, I wonder, is the Vegas nightlife this team's not-so-secret weapon and to neutralize opponents? It's being called the Vegas flu, AJ. We sure can't call it a fluke anymore. Now that Fleury's back in goal with a sub-two goals against average, beating them is going to be even more difficult going forward, as several top opponents have found out most recently. Our pal poker star Daniel Legrano wants to come back on this show to gush about his team, and we're going to give him a chance early in the news here, so I hope our listeners turn, tune in for that. This is a team that gets the second and, and of the two A-pluses that I dole out in these ratings. Yeah, there's no arguing an, an A-plus for this club. Uh, how they handled the, the just bevy of injuries. I mean, you had Fleury, Subban, Dansk, uh, I'm trying to recall some of the other netminders they had early in the year. Dylan Ferguson was up for a little bit. Uh, there's another one in there that I'm forgetting, but they weathered that storm. Uh, and I think all the credit for that goes to this blue line. It's really uh, somewhat of an unheralded group of guys. Uh, Braden McNabb, Derek Anglin, Nate Schmidt, Shay Theodore, who's an up and comer. Uh, and so the fact that they were able to get through that and put up the record they have without the, the face of their franchise and their number one netminder, Marc-Andre Fleury, just makes this team that much better, that much more dangerous. A-plus all around. Uh, if we could give it out, I might give them an A-plus-plus for having uh, gotten through uh, that, that, flurry, that flurry of goalies, if you'll allow me. Yeah, Britney Spears was even trying out for that, I heard, during between her <laughs> shows. So he was, she was testing out the equipment in the hallways. Uh, we get to the Washington Capitals. The Caps have risen to the top of the Metro Division with an eight-game point streak before dropping their last two games prior to this break. They, are, they were 7-2-1 and one overall in their last 10. It's quite something for them to tout that they were without a significant injury at the moment and have all hands on deck. Jakob Vrana, who has given them an unexpected 10 goals so far, has locked down a top six role with his consistent play, and he's been the biggest surprise. But right behind him is Tom Wilson, 16 points, and his firm grip on a top six role for a guy who was a fourth liner uh, career to date, you can say. Uh, I, I think that uh, it looks like this, this team could suffer a bit of a decline in offense over the second half. Uh, despite that, though, there's room for improvement if Andrei Burakovsky can get things going. He's well off an expected scoring pace with only eight points in 17 games in an injury-plagued first half and needs to work hard to escape his current bottom six status. I give this team a B plus. I'm going to go B minus, uh, and I, I think it does highlight some of those concerns that you talked about. You know, TJ Oshie, yes, he's been injured, but he's got just one goal in his last 10 games. Uh, you know, a, a six game stint on IR in the middle of, of that uh, kind of slump there. And, you know, the the other concern I have is their their top offensive blue liners are supposed to be Matt Niskanen. He's pointless in his last five with two assists and has just 10 on the year. Uh, and you look at uh, their other options there. You've got John Carlson, 
you know, just three goals on the year. Now he has been racking up the assists with four in his last five games. Uh, but there's just not enough blue line production there for me. And, uh, surprisingly, uh, maybe not so surprisingly, we've seen it a lot from them, a lack of depth in my opinion at the forward position, but everything starts and stops with Brayden Holpe, 20 wins in 28 outings. If he can continue at that pace, uh, there really is no stopping this club and they'll continue to compete, uh, for, uh, you know, the postseason. whether that's a team that can make it to a Eastern conference final, I'm not so sure. And finally, we get to the Winnipeg Jets, who wind up the first half with a nine games above 500 record. They're three, five, and two, stumbling a little bit coming into the break. They have to be thrilled that Connor Hellybuck needs to get high marks for answering the goalie dilemma that has plagued this team for the last few years. His numbers are among the league leaders, and that's one of my best preseason calls. So it's nice for me to wind up here with that that note they've struggled a bit lately though with a depleted defense still missing Bufflin and Enstrom and we figure that's going to be a problem until they get those guys back Tyler Myers though has taken that opportunity to rediscover a scoring level that we haven't seen out of him since early in his career as we talked a couple of weeks ago up front Brian Little is an underrated center who seems poised to churn out another 50 point season particularly if he can play out the second half with Line and Ehlers that'll be a unit to watch for sure I give this team a solid a minus Yeah, I maybe would have gone a little bit higher if not for those recent struggles, but I agree with the A minus assessment. Dustin Bufflin coming back is the key here, and I I think it's shown itself in the recent performance of Hallie Buck. I agree. He's off to a phenomenal uh, start to the season and really kind of shoring up uh, uh, an area that's been a big concern of theirs. But you look at those last seven outings for Hallie Buck, he gave up four plus goals on four different occasions. One of those, fortunately for him, was a win. Uh, his team kind of bailed him out in Nashville. Uh, you know, he gave up four goals on 34 shots, but still came away with the win. Uh, so if they can get that blue line secure, get Dustin Bufflin back and kind of limit those opportunities for opposing teams, that'll let their offense play in the, you know, the, uh, the forward uh, zone and get uh, back on track a little bit. So uh, Dustin Bufflin, I think, is going to be the key. Uh, Enstrom obviously plays a part, too, in that, but they haven't had him for since mid-November. And so I think the, the real key there is getting Bufflin back as soon as possible. All right, well, it's time to give our friends at FanDuel a nod. Uh, fantasy football is here for everyday fans. There's one more week in the regular season. New contests start uh, again this weekend. There's no busted seasons, just something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. You know what? This season's been one mostly of ups for me in terms of fantasy football, but and ended on a downer. With week 16, Todd Gurley decided or heavily influenced a number of fantasy championships, including one that cost me a title this past week, AJ, as I suffered a narrow loss in the Jay Grizz Fantasy Sports Show uh, Classic Pool. And otherwise, I would have won this in a landslide. Uh, And I'm really miffed because the winner gets a WWE championship-style belt, and I narrowly missed that. But I do get a nice-looking cup for winning the regular season, so I'm happy about that. In addition, my favorite club, the Cowboys, blew their Keem home date against Seattle, handing this visitors a 21-12 win in a game where the 
The Seattle offense was next to nothing uh, on the day. Meanwhile, in other games, the Eagles barely won their Monday night tilt with backup Nick Foles at the controls. Their lackluster effort has to inspire all the other pretenders in the NFC. Also, it's getting downright embarrassing with the way officials are ruling on touchdown reviews of late. For the second straight week, the Patriots have won with the aid of ridiculous decisions upon these new review processes. I wonder what your thoughts are on Week 16, AJ. Well, for me, it all boils down to what you just talked about in the catch rules. Uh, The NFL needs to seriously consider overhauling not only the review process, but also revising what is or is not a catch. I'm not saying I have the answer. It's by no means an easy discussion to have, but I think they need to find a way to more clearly define what the rule says as far as when a player has possession, when they don't, uh, maintaining to the ground versus not, you know, how much the ground can cause a, you know, the player to drop the ball. These are all things that have been uh, a lot more subjective of late and kind of uh, has led to these interesting calls. So I, I think that whole process needs to be overhauled uh, and hopefully the current rules and current system won't affect any playoff games. Yeah, like it did a couple of years ago when Des Bryant's touchdown was overturned in Green Bay, right? Not a catch. Not yeah, it a catch. was a catch, my friend. We'll argue that <laughs> till the end of time. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry to NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com com slash rw of course these contests are void we're prohibited all right aj it's time for our FanDuel dfs segment why don't you run through tonight's schedule for our listeners please all right so it's going to start off with ottawa uh traveling to to boston tonight that'll be definitely an interesting matchup you've got the bruins minus 200 in that contest uh detroit is at new jersey uh devil's heavy favorite minus 170 Buffalo at the Islanders. Again, the Islanders, a minus 180. Uh, So a couple of lopsided matchups early. The Penguins uh, are at home welcoming Columbus. Now I found an interesting line from Stats LLC on this one. You've got the Penguins favored minus 160. I don't know that I would honestly take that bet. Uh, The money line is pretty high on that one uh, for me. Carolina uh, welcomes Montreal. That's the last of the seven o'clock games. The Hurricanes are favored minus 135. You get to eight o'clock. You've got uh, Washington heading uh, to visit the Rangers. Uh, The line on that one is pretty close. Uh, Really just a home ice advantage on that one with New York minus 115 there. Nashville at St. Louis. This is probably one of the premier games of the night. The Blues are favored minus 120 here in this contest, which I find a little interesting. Again, that's probably just home ice advantage factoring in. That's, for me, the key matchup of the night to watch. You've got Dallas at Minnesota. uh, The Wild favored minus 120. Again, home ice advantage there. Edmonton at Winnipeg. Another really interesting game to watch. The Jets are minus 135. So that's more than just home ice advantage factoring into that, but not too too much of an advantage. There might be a little bit of a Connor McDavid concern effect going there with that line. Getting into the late, late games, you've got Arizona uh, at uh, Colorado at nine o'clock. Avalanche heavily favored in that one, minus 170. You don't hear that too often that Colorado is a heavy favorite. And then the last game of the night, Vegas at Anaheim. Uh, I don't have a line for that one, unfortunately. Maybe you do on your end, Paul, but I would imagine 
that the Golden Knights are favored in that one, but probably not too heavily, especially being on the road. I'd anticipate a 130-140 on that one. So that's the lineups for tonight. Vegas-Anaheim, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, Columbus-Pittsburgh, but for me, the the game of the night has definitely got to be Nashville at St. Louis. Yeah, the line on that late game looks like it's a minus 115 in favor of Anaheim. That's definitely one of the games I'll be watching because it's a healthy Anaheim team that'll be a big test for Vegas. But you mentioned two playoff-type atmospheres certainly going to exist in that Edmonton-Winnipeg tilt and Nashville and St. Louis. All of them bear watching for the serious hockey fan. All right, let's put our money where our mouth is. Uh, Let's come up with our lineups for tonight's games. All right, so I'm going to start off and save a little bit money uh, at the center position tonight. I think there's some value guys that you can use. Eric Halla for 6,100. There's uh, kind of going to be a theme in my lineup tonight. Uh, Guys that are getting off a lot of shots. Now, he had no points in his last game, but he had five shots on goal uh, and had two goals and an assist in the two games prior. Uh, And then Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 5,500, falls into the same boat. Uh, Had, uh, you know, points uh three goals in his last five games has been firing a lot of pucks no no shot uh goals uh recently but uh i think he can get back especially against winnipeg tonight uh it's not a great matchup for him and that's why you know i'm going a little bit of a flyer on this this is definitely a gpp lineup on my uh half certainly not a 50 50 uh lineup uh wingers i'm gonna go top end with evander kane 7200 he's just been uh unstoppable of late for the most part, I really like everything he's offering. He's the one kind of key on that team. I like Gabriel Landeskog here, 6,300. I think uh, the matchup uh, is too good not to take advantage of him, especially at the price tag. Uh, four goals in his last four games, including a hat trick. Victor Arvison for 6,100. Again, a player uh, that maybe hasn't put up a lot of points lately, but definitely is getting shots to the net. He's got uh, 17 shots in his last five games. So he's getting, you know, at least uh, putting himself in a position to score goals. And then David back is for Boston uh, for forty nine hundred. I thought his salary was really, really low for a guy that's got two goals and three assists in his last couple of games. Uh, and, you know, the matchup against Ottawa is a good one, too. So uh, I think he's a nice value steal on the blue line. For me, it's all about shots. Uh, for guys that haven't necessarily produced a ton lately, Alex Petrangelo, I talked about him early 5,500 Tyler Myers with the Dustin Bufflin injury is getting more opportunities. 4,500. Both these guys I think are great for GPP lineups in the fact that they're getting shots to the net. So, you know, that those opportunities are going to come, but their salaries are lower because they haven't necessarily scored one recently. And then in the pipes for me tonight, Corey Schneider, 8,300, little bit of savings facing a, a Detroit team that's been uh, pretty much a disaster. And, uh, you know, New Jersey's at home as well. So there's everything about this matchup that I like. Uh, so that's what I did with my lineup. You'll notice there's probably $600 of unspent uh, money if you put that lineup in. But I think the players that I have, I like. So I'm not going to overspend just because I have money available uh, in the lineup. So that's what I did. Paul, how about you for for what you got over there? Well, I saved about 500 from the cap, too, uh, because I feel good about my picks just like you did with yours. Nate McKinnon against Arizona, that's a mismatch and a half. For $7,600, the price tag there for one of the league's leading scorers who's been on an extended hot streak. Nico Heischer, I talked about him as one of the hot sticks with New Jersey against the Detroit club. That's headed the wrong way. $5,600, a very cheap price tag there. The Boston top line, David Pasternak's been a key element there. Ottawa's in disarray, so $7,400 looks like money well spent. 
I double down on the Colorado game, figuring Arizona's going to have a tough time at altitude, and Gabriel Landeskog is the other of the dynamic duo in Colorado who's firing right, right now. Nikolai Ehlers, one of the hottest sticks in hockey for a long time. Uh, with Winnipeg at home against Edmonton, I think he has a chance for a big night, $5,700, a bit of a dampened price tag there. And uh, to round out my forward compliment, Toivo Teravainen against a disorganized Montreal club with Carolina at home. They seem to have gotten uh, over the, the drubbing they took in Toronto. They came back nicely in the next game. I look for them to, to double up on that. $4,600 a price tag with him. Then I did the same thing as you. I found two good defensemen playing big minutes on power plays in Minnesota with Matt Dumba and Matt Niskanen. So $4,500 and $4,400 respectively there. And I find a mismatch in goal similar to what you did. I'd pick Tuka Rask. You talked about how good this guy's been playing. I think he has a chance for a soft night against a visiting Ottawa club. $8,400 his price tag. And we remind our listeners to check out what the Rotomire Optimizer has in store for tonight's games. They have an interesting lineup that they project. We'll invite you, all our listeners to go to the site and have a look at Rotowire's lineup optimizer for the NHL, just like they do for all other sports year-round. And in fact, we remind you, don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday, where we'll continue to cover all four major North American sports all year round in our DFS pods, where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. It's time for the stud of the week, and I'm going to go for some home cooking with Toronto's own Mitch Marner. I've chosen a Leaf player. I haven't chosen a Leaf player yet this season, AJ, and this choice was not one I expected to make before citing the club's best player, Austin Matthews, first. But Marner gets the nod not only because he was tied for the most points in the league last week, but because he's doing it while displaying such an amazing skill set. This guy went end to end to score goals in consecutive games, reminding me of one Jill Perot back in the day. But he also used his speed and high IQ hockey-wise, to make several splendid plays for teammates over the last week. He sees the ice differently from most other players and is playing with a great deal of confidence right now after a season, ending a, a season-long almost scoring slump. He's once again looking like the player of the top junior hockey for the last two years of his amateur career. He's that rare combo of skill and smarts, and he's on fire right now. It, yeah, it's unfortunate that it took Marner this long to get going. Uh, you know, the the phrase sophomore slump obviously exists uh, for a reason. But if he can keep producing now that Matthews is back in the fold, uh, this is probably one of the most uh, potent offenses in the NHL. And most teams aren't going to be able to compete with that on a night to night basis. I don't think uh, they're going to catch Tampa Bay, but they should be right behind them and at least push uh, the lightning to have to be their best night in, night out. Now, I, I feel too benevolent to say anything bad about anybody this week, but my partner has no problem putting on the Scrooge <laughs> cap, so I'm going to let AJ run with the rant of the week this week. Yeah, so for me, it has to be the whole concept uh, of Olympic athletes from Russia being a, a sanctioned uh, group at the Winter Olympics that's you know kind of just around the corner now. This will obviously affect uh, the hockey players that, uh, that play there uh, in that competition. I get what they're trying to do with this ban. Uh, obviously, you know, there was some sanctioned doping going on uh, with Russian athletes, uh, and they don't want to necessarily punish the clean athletes. So I get the fact that they don't want to ban the Russian teams outright, but to compete under the title of Olympic athletes from Russia with uh, a logo that is just uh, really, really lame, to be perfectly frank. I, I know they want to downplay it and not include Russia as much as possible. Uh, but, you know, these are going to be Russian athletes that don't get to use their flag, don't get to uh, hear their national anthem if they happen to win a cup. 
it's just all very weird. Uh, I think there might've been something better. The IOC could have done as far as punishment. Uh, I don't necessarily have the answers, but this one is really confusing and it'll be, uh, make for some honestly interesting viewing, uh, of both the opening ceremonies and any, uh, medal ceremonies, uh, should a Russian athlete, uh, medal at some point during this competition. Yeah. This stuff away from the field of play is starting to get too much of the action, AJ. And that to me is a big issue. Uh, if I can pick up on that, look at the NCAA and, and the whispers that we hear about money for the amateurs and, and look at the steroid issue in football that nobody wants to talk about. These are things that are off the field that, that I don't want to think about when the games are going on, but they're, you know they're in the background, and it's just a shame that that's the case. So I, I give you credit for coming up with this idea, and it just let's just keep a lid on all this stuff and try to get it out of the game and, and play for the purity of, the, of what's going on between the lines and, and uh, in the mano-a-mano combat. That's what it's all about for sports for me. Uh, anyway, that wraps it up with this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. That's AJ, S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. We hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL. Next week, we're going to get together on podcast back in our usual t- Tuesday time slot so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody. Thank you.